My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. Hello, Doug. It's great to virtually meet you. Great to meet you too, Aaron. Nice to see you finally. Yeah, likewise. I, I was really impressed and, and entertained by your Instagram videos. Dr. Jed Fahey was the one who connected us and he spoke very highly of you, which I can now see why, as uh, quoting you as the, the world's leading sprout guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, sprouts have been around since the beginning of time, but no one really paid that much attention to them, mm. you know, in our generation. So for me, the necessity of wanting to be plant-based, wanting to be healthy, um, being in a, in a time with a compromised supply chain mm-hmm. made sprouting very obvious to me, uh, but not so obvious to other people. So I just you know, made a decision to devote my life to um, learning more and spreading the message um, almost as quickly you know, as I learned it. That's beautiful. And you wrote a book, right? The Sprout Book. Yeah, I wrote this, the Sprout Book, which was, you know, number one vegetarian diet, number one cooking diet, um, number one vegan diet, low budget diet, number one fiber, you know, number one bestseller on Amazon. It's in the eighth printing. Wow. And kind of shocking. It took two years to get there. Mm. Where normally, you know, a book like that might fade very quickly after launch. But the Sprout Book is snowballing. That's amazing. And I mean, broccoli sprouts alone have become, you know, they've kind of blown up in the health and wellness field. And, um, you know, I think what I'm excited today is to kind of talk even more about different types of sprouts. But I'm curious, uh, you know, about your own journey too. Have you always been plant-based? And and if not, like, what was that transition? Yeah, I've been plant-based for 23 years. Before 23 years, I never even heard of vegan. I thought vegan was short for vegetarian and I ate anything, street food, processed food, uh, fast food, junk food. And if I didn't have like a lot of bread or some animal product um, at every meal, I thought I was missing something. Mm. And, And then, you know, chronic illness, you know, struck my family. My aunt got diabetes and they chopped off her feet below her ankles. Mm. And that was like a traumatic um, experience for me personally to think about what life would be like without a limb, right? And that was really hard. Then my uncle died of heart disease. And then my mother died of stomach cancer. Then my father died of heart disease. And then my brother developed type two diabetes, became obese, Um, And then had the first of three strokes and a heart attack. Mm. So all of these things were happening right around me. And then they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. You know, that's when my teacher came along and told me about the plant-based diet. And then we learned together about the raw food diet. And within a two-week window, I went from eating anything to fresh, ripe, raw, organic fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, seaweeds, and sprouts. Wow. And is that still your style of eating now, maintaining oh, well, that? Yeah. 
I would say I'm, you know, when I began this journey, it was all about health. And then it, it leaned into the animals. Like I recognized, you know, my love for a horse was the same as my love for a dog, as a pig, as a cow. And so it then really took on like the moral aspect of it. And I started to really feel compassion for the animals. And I felt like, wow, I'm doing a good thing. And I saw about the suffering and the torture that goes on, you know, in the whole dairy industry and in the animal products. So originally it was plant-based for health. Then it became the, the animals. And then later on, um, it became aware for the environmental factors. Beautiful. I love, I love the fact that you tie all of this back to some sort of purpose or motivation because, you know, I can, I can very much relate to that in the sense of, you know, watching my dad struggle with mental health issues and watching my mom struggle with still undiagnosed autoimmune disease and uh, dealing with my own personal health issues. You know, those are the types of things that typically lead us to, you know, finding motivation to pursue these health practices and figuring out what works for us and what is going to be sustainable for us. And I think that that's such a beautiful journey that you've been on and, and how you do have that tied back to purpose. Yeah. I mean, look, I think everything is easy if the why is strong enough Mm -hmm. and the why for me was existential. Absolutely. And, And then like right now I'm in my yurt right, uh, by Joshua Tree. And I realized not only was I in the Mojave Desert, but I was in a food desert, a wellness desert. And the, the likelihood of being able to stay healthy here, being far away from any sort of um, plant-based restaurants or um, health food stores, like the nearest Whole Foods is well over an hour away. And so that's when you know, the universe really spoke to me as I'm looking up at the stars and the stars started to turn into sprouts for me and different size, different size stars and planets were different size seeds. And I got this, um, it sounds like very new agey, but I got this download that sprouts were the, the answer that, and I had been growing sprouts for 25 years but always as a garnish or as a side, it was never taken seriously for me as a food source. But I liked them. I knew how to do it. So I went from growing alfalfa sprouts and mung bean sprouts to within 30 days, I was growing dozens of varieties of seeds into sprouts, alfalfa, azuki, radish, clover, broccoli, watercress, chia, flax, all sorts of lentils, all sorts of peas. And within one cubic foot, I was able to grow more food than I could actually consume. And that was the most mind boggling revelation of my life that number one, sprouts were vegetables. And I already knew vegetables were good for you. They happened to have been raw, organic, and super fresh harvested on demand but sprouts were vegetables. That was insight number one. Insight number two was that sprouts were vitamins and minerals. So every benefit of the whole food plant-based diet could be achieved 
by eating sprouts, that every sprout contains every amino acid to form a complete protein. And if you had the variety of the sprouts and you were getting the diversity of all these micronutrients, phytonutrients, polyphenols, bioflavonoids, glucosinolates, which then led into the most like groundbreaking, mind-boggling part, which led me to Dr. Jed Fahey, led me to sulforaphane, was that sprouts were medicine, that there was almost a treatment uh, for most acute or chronic illnesses with some variety of sprouts, that you could treat um, histamine resistance with DAO that was formed from pea sprouts in the dark, stressed the plants and formed um, DAO, that, that broccoli sprouts and other cruciferous vegetables had the precursor to sulforaphane, the glucoraphanin, and that when you chewed them, blended them, even they entered the stomach, they mixed with the enzyme myrosinase that formed sulforaphane. And sulforaphane was really fast acting, so it doesn't work very well in a supplement, but in these low cost, readily accessible, easy to grow sprouts, you could be opening up your nerve pathways, you could be um, balancing your insulin levels for diabetes, you could be detoxifying benzene from the lungs. Like you could be like basically sprouts. Um, if you're eating a high concentration of sprouts, sprouts are keto, right? And sprouts are low calorie. So you actually could structure a, um, a fasting mimicking diet by consuming sprouts that without like powder, supplements, boxes, like you could do this on your own. You know, you could fast with water like I'm doing right now, but you could also fast with sprouts and the like. I'm doing um, controlled feeding window and our podcast started at 12 o'clock. So I'm even extending my feeding window. So I appreciate I, so that. <laughs> I treat myself to some lunch. That's awesome. Now, you've mentioned already so many different benefits of different types of sprouts, and, and I'd love to even touch on some of those, the, the histamine response that you were mentioning from the pea sprouts. Um, could you highlight like a few of the different sprouts and what some of their main benefits are that you think would benefit some of the listeners? Yeah. So I would say the number one thing about the sprouts is the micronutrients and phytonutrients. Like those exist in sprouts. And they don't exist in cooked food, processed food, refined food, meat, dairy, and animal products. So just having a variety of sprouts. The colors of the sprouts represent different antioxidants. So if you're having red lentils, you're getting the beta carotene. If you're having green sprouts, so almost all the sprouts will develop leaves and turn green, you're getting the chlorophyll. If you're getting the dark, um, the dark lentil sprouts, um, those have the same uh, antioxidants that may be in blueberries, the anthocyanidins. So you're 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 opening up this world of color, of texture, of fiber, both soluble and insoluble fiber, and 
it's super fresh and readily absorbed. So even the insoluble fiber that's in mature plants, when you're in the sprout form, it's very tender and very mm. bioavailable. So you're actually able to digest and break down what would normally be insoluble fiber. So you're getting great roughage. You're going to get great movements. And you know it really feeds the microbiome. And I'm not a specialist in the microbiome, but the, the people that I'm speaking to on the uh, nutritionist level, the dietitian level, the medical doctors, the functional medicine doctors, that you can literally look at where someone is, you know, for weight gain or weight loss, right? For flexibility, for early treatment of Alzheimer's. And you, you mentioned kind of mental, you know, health issues. Like, you know, the fact that broccoli sprouts have eating like four to six ounces a day are creating sulforaphane that parents with children with, that are autistic are getting positive results from the sulforaphane because it's creating heat shock proteins, which similar low temperature fevers, which when someone is autistic and they're experiencing a fever, they're not getting the same symptoms. So their normal behavior shifts. And this is like mind boggling that what's happening here and what makes these plants so powerful and why, you know, the research is saying that the sprout form can have 20 to 100 times the concentrated nutrients because as the plant is getting bigger, it's getting more fiber, it's getting more water, but it's actually diluting the, the concentration of these phytonutrients in these compounds that are seemingly um, dispensed in finite numbers, finite wow. amounts in the seeds. So really the healthiest thing is the seed, except the seed is not bioavailable and it's a, a dormant living organism. But the seed is a powerhouse. And the fact that you can grow these sprouts without soil, without sunshine, in days, and without fertilizer, like within that seed, that it has everything it needs. Within It has the endosperm and the embryo, and all it needs is water, right? Water, the right, um, you know, you don't want to be too cold, and you don't want to be too hot. But in a broad range, these seeds will germinate and sprout. And they're edible. So the fact, like my insight, and you know, is that hey, sprouts are food, right? They're not just like this garnish. And when you were to take something as simple and as ubiquitous as lentils, and you sprout the lentils, you double the antioxidant levels, you triple the vitamin C, and you quadruple the fiber, right? In something that's as simple as a lentil. So mm. lentils, when cooked, are the staple of the plant-based diet worldwide. S lentils, when sprouted, like explode into this incredibly nutritious, low-cost, readily available, um, super uh, plant-based food. I love lentils. Yeah, they're. I think people underestimate the 
the protein content of certain plant-based foods like lentils, you know, they, they do pack an, an, a decent amount of fiber as well. I think nine grams for half a cup of lentils, which is phenomenal. And you mentioned with sprouting it, it even goes more than that. Yeah. And th- you take garbanzo beans are almost like a perfect balance of carbohydrates, fiber, and protein. So in one cup of garbanzo beans, you're getting 20 grams of protein in something that's readily available and it's plant-based and has no um, LDL cholesterol. Like it's just so simple that, that my, my goal is to research information, try it on myself and others, and then share it. And the, the fact that right now, like in my book, I interviewed Dr. Mark Hyman. Dr. Joel Furman wrote the foreword. Dr. Joel Kahn, Dr. Dean Ornish, um, Dr. Josh Axe. And so we had people that loved plant-based, like the Joel Kahn's and Dean Ornish's and Joel Furman's of the world. But then Dr. Axe wrote the keto book, mm-hmm. right? So he's about, you know, going through ketosis on low fat you know, animal-based. And I am not here to tell people what to do or what not to do, right? I'm here to invite them into this possibility. And then like uh, Mark Hyman is about functional medicine, right? So um, food as medicine. And so even these people that don't like plants, typically don't like plants, like uh, Ben Greenfield does not like plants, but he loves sprouts and both Dr. Axe and Ben Greenfield invite me onto their podcasts. So it becomes like whatever you focus on and you obsess about, you get more information, you get to share. And I'm learning at this pace because I'm dealing with people that are super smart in their individual areas. And any single one of them really knew like the power and benefits of Sprouts, but they've got a different agenda. Like their agenda is something else. Mm. So, so I'm like just like tapping in to their passion for helping, healing people, spreading information, and then focusing on this little niche for them. But to me, I'm like, why isn't everybody eating sprouts at every meal around the world? Like that was my question. That's a great question. And I love that you pointed out that it doesn't matter which you know, which class of nutrition prescription you follow, because there are so many conflicting, you know, there's lectins and this, or plant-based is bad or, or keto's good, but you're, you made a point there that we all have a common ground on the fact that sprouts are great and nutrient dense and they fall in line with no matter what your goals are and the possibilities are endless too. So that's, that's incredible. And you make it sound so simple because it, it is, it seems, and I've grown my own sprouts, more specifically broccoli sprouts. I haven't ventured out into others, but, um, it's very easy. And we've talked about that. Dr. Fahey and I did discuss that very briefly, but it's cheap. It's definitely cheaper than buying them in the grocery store and it's easy. And that's, I mean, what, what more could you want? Look, I, I mean, I have to tell you the fact that they sell sprouts in some health food stores to me is a huge win. And it's less than a cup of black coffee at Starbucks, right? So, but the, that's still three or four dollars. The mm-hmm. fact that you could grow sprouts with ten or twenty cents 
worth of seeds, that's like the mind boggling opportunity where you get a little skin in the game, you get um, part of the process and you start to add sprouts to everything. And what I'm seeing right now is literally tens of thousands of people around the world are developing this sprout consciousness. Like they're being turned on to sprouts and they're growing them and kids are growing them. Seniors are growing them. Athletes are growing them, you know, um, artists and musicians. Like I met uh, Mike Posner, singer, songwriter, has like a, a billion downloads on YouTube and 12 million subscribers. And he's like, Doug, what are you passionate about? I'm like, sprouts. And he's like, why? And I told him, and he started with one jar. Now he's got six jars and he's eating a jar of broccoli sprouts every day. And maybe 10% of his social media is about him sharing his message for sprouts. And he's probably bought a hundred sprouting kits that he'll send to, you know, to people in his network that he wants to turn on and share his experiences. That's amazing. I love that. That's so, it's so cool to hear how this is all permeating into different aspects of just life in general, not just the health and wellness industry. A hundred percent. Well, I think that, you know, people are smart, right? You're, you're really, people are smart and, you know, everyone has their radar up and their spidey sense tingles. And when you look at sprouts, you know, the biggest concern and I'm working actually on a white paper with, with Dr. Fahey on this, was analyzing the safety of sprouts. And turns out anything that you eat can be risky for foodborne illnesses, E. coli, listeria, salmonella, fungus, right? But there were um, instances over the last 20 years of foodborne illness related to sprouts. But because there's no big lobbying no one ever dealt with that and unpacked it. But the fact is there have been no cases of reported cases of illnesses, outbreaks, hospitalizations, or deaths from homegrown sprouting. That the cases when they were, were usually about cross-contamination with animal products in a fast food, um, food service environment. Mm. But in um, the the way that we're talking about and even commercially available sprouts in the supermarkets um, are regulated and clean. And, but that drove me to share more information about, you know, how do you make it even safer? So the way you make it safer is you take your seeds and you soak them in hydrogen peroxide, food grade hydrogen peroxide in glacial acidic acid, AKA white vinegar. So you buy a gallon of white vinegar um, or Dr. Fahey, um, you know, uses bleach, right? Clorox, unscented, unflavored bleach, which creates um, rapid oxidation of contaminants that could be on the seeds. So I'm working more on making that easier and sharing that information um, out of the, tens of thousands of people that I know that are sprouting, very few people sanitize, surface sanitize their seeds using those methods. But I wrote about it in my book and I'm sharing that information more. 
in particular for um, women that might be pregnant or that wanting to feed children that might have um, uh, lower levels of immune systems. So they might be not necessarily immune compromised, but their immune system isn't developed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a leading uh, gastroenterologist, I interviewed um, Dr. Uh, Will Bolshevitz, who wrote Fiber Fueled, and he said he was feeding his wife broccoli sprouts while she was pregnant. And um, there's a, a concept called in utero flavor development that when the baby came out, it was able to eat and was craving broccoli sprouts. Wow. So, but so, and he's a, you know, gastroenterologist, like he understands the gut and the levels. So I'm just so excited and feel like we are ground zero of getting this message out to the world. Very cool. Yeah, the the bleach sterilization always kind of freaked me out. And I think a lot of people can relate to that of, you want me to bleach my seeds, you know, that seems a little intense. And, um, you know, I like the idea of doing the hydrogen peroxide and the, the vinegar that seems a lot more realistic to me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't sterilize my seeds. So I'm definitely interested in, in doing that. And I should obviously start doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really um, up to you. And I would say the bleach, you know, can be scary. But if you soak it for five minutes in the bleach, and then you rinse them twice, the bleach will be diluted, turn into saline, and, um, you know, almost no risk of of any any risk whatsoever, you know, of chemical-based poisoning from them. But I get it, right, that it's scary, but we know that um, these are things that makes um, things safer, right? And so... And if, um, if you yeah. and Dr. Fahey say yes, then I'm on board. <laughs> I trust yeah. you both as the experts. So Yeah. I mean, there's other lab-based ways to do it. You could use hypochlorous acid by electrolyzing salt in water, and it's forming, it's taking the salt, and it's basically making a bleach. Um, but you're starting with salt, might be more palatable for people to think about. Mm -hmm. um, my testing with grapefruit seed extract is not nearly as effective as I was um, led to believe that it would be because now we're doing um, lab work, you know, to analyze this. Cause I think that it's like my vision for this is in like five years, you know, millions of American households will be growing their own sprouts as vegetables, right? Where today it's, you know, thousands like it's going to be millions because it's so obvious. And once people get turned on, um, you know, they're, they're in, they're like locked in. I'm excited actually myself because you, I just love your energy. I think, you know, you're, you're very excited about it. It's obviously brought such purpose and passion to your life. And yeah, I'm excited to incorporate more sprouting into my own life. Now, in terms of getting started, you know, outside of just doing like my broccoli sprouts, what would your suggestion be to me or my listeners about, you know, wh like, where do you start? Do you buy a sprouting kit online? Do you just buy the jars with the mesh lids and then the organic sprout, like seeds? What, what, where do you start? I mean, what's great about it is you could really start anywhere, right? 
my I started using um, any glass vessel or salad spinner with cheesecloth and a rubber band and certain lids and certain parts. You know, I prefer um, more than others, but that's really an open question. It's, it is important to wash with soap and hot water um, to make sure your equipment is clean. I always recommend organic sprouting seeds that are tested for bath pathogens, tested for high germination rate. Although many people in different parts of the world get success from just getting bulk beans. And if you're buying non-organic or non-dedicated um, seeds, I would definitely recommend, you know, washing and treating them versus, you know, the others. And then, you know, the, the process is simple and, but there's nuance. And it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book and the book was really my captain's log, right? That included the different protocols for different types of seeds, which vary based on the seed size and the species and the variety. But generally you would soak the seeds for five hours to 12 hours. You would then rinse off excess water leave in an inverted position so that extra water drains out and doesn't accumulate because water accumulating still water, you know, can create um, biofilm, exudate, mold. So by, by shaking and stirring and rinsing and straining, you're keeping the seeds fresh as well as keeping them appropriately hydrated. And you do that like garbanzo beans are literally edible and lentils in as little as 24 hours. So you soak them, you rinse them, go through another rinse, and then you can eat them. And then you can continue rinsing them and, and straining them for days and they'll get bigger and bigger, but they're edible after um, 24 hours. And the interesting thing, you mentioned lectins before, the trypsins and the lectins, which are um, enzyme inhibitors, to protect the plants, you know, from their predators, when you're soaking and germinating, those lessen substantially mm -hmm. and make the plants even healthier to the point that there's, um, you know, that it's easier for people to eat. But I think that the, the uh, amount of research for the benefits of eating lectins and plant-based far outweighs, um, the 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 criticism you know of that and the rare cases that someone may have lupus or some other autoimmune disease that might compromise to truly be lectin intolerant <clears throat> and you know as a nutritionist the amount of people that are eating gluten free today that are not gluten intolerant um, because it becomes a marketing part rather than um, a someone who truly has you know, celiac or some other compromising a condition. Yeah, that, you know, see that all the time. Patients come to me and say, oh, I'm, I started eating gluten-free. And I said, did you feel any better when you started eating gluten-free? They say, not really, just kept doing it. And, you know, three years go by and they've excluded a major, you know, grain that could be, you know, included in their diet as a delicious, healthy way of eating. So, Yep, absolutely. I think that, you know, the, the research is important to take a look at. And I have seen the research on lectins and how 
um, you know, the, the benefits in the research are, are definitely highlighted. And, and I, um, I would definitely link those in the show notes so that people can take a look at those. Terrific. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, send it to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a voracious reader and I set up discipline now, like to read when I have to read white papers and the literature, I set a timer, I turn off my phone, I start to read um, and I do not drink water. I don't go to the bathroom. I don't get the phone. I don't eat anything. Like I just rip through and I get into this flow state and I'm just absorbing copious amounts of deep information. And the more you, you do that, the more these abstract concepts and words and information becomes more commonplace um, and, and shared with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely will. And I, I did a, I have a partnership with a company and they, they promoted one of my reels that was talking about lectins and how they're not an issue for all people. And, you know, someone who's a major um, well-known doctor in the more keto space did comment a lot of, um, you know, hate back towards it, but it's, again, you have to look at the combination of research. You can't just look at one research study or one population. It's all about the combining of research and also just understanding that each individual is different. Each individual has unique physiology and microbiome and what works for some may not work for others. And, but I think it sounds like sprouts should probably work for everyone, which is really exciting. And I think your projection of where this is headed is pretty exciting. Well, terrific. Well, Aaron, this was really great. I really enjoyed, you know, our first conversation being public. Likewise, so, as and well. And look forward to some more. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Well, I will definitely be sure to link your um, book in the show notes so that people can check it out and get a copy of that. And I would recommend that everyone go follow Doug on Instagram. As I mentioned, he's entertaining, it's informative, and it's very inspiring to see the lifestyle that you know he's been able to um, incorporate these sprouts and and so much more. So, where what is your Instagram handle, Doug? It's just my name, Doug Evans, one word, and. I have an email list at thesproutbook.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Doug. Have a wonderful rest of your week and talk to you soon. Okay, terrific. Have a beautiful time. Thank you. All right, Aaron. Bye. bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in joining my next group coaching program or working one-on-one -on -one with me, you can go to nutritionrewired.com where you can also find my lab-tested CBD oil and gut-friendly cookbooks. Thanks again, and as always, don't forget to share the health.